0: Everyone has something to share and either wisdom, story, or logic. And it's clearly amazing to hear all the differing missing links discovered by people unique to their own journeys and in how they have come to discover them. Together, we can help to build a bigger picture for a better future, for a brighter tomorrow. Let's stand united. Let's remove the veils and let's create a new world together. Are you? that missing link join jesse Hale on the missing link talk show as he helps to unveil the mystery through the unique wisdom and store of others
1: three two one welcome 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 everybody here back to the missing link today we're excited and honored to talk to someone who's been sharing truth who's been uh, um, someone who i've been watching you know and, and seeing the stuff that he's been putting out for a very long time james corbett from the corbett report how are you doing today brother
0: i'm doing pretty good thank you for having me here
1: uh you're most welcome it's truly an honor to have you here Uh, Maybe if you can just start off with telling us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, about who you are, any missing links about you or, you know, the world around us that you'd like to share for anybody that may be hearing you for here for the first time.
0: Sure. Well, I am a Canadian born and raised uh, who spent a year in Ireland before moving out to Japan, where I've been for the past 19 years. I have to mentally update my calendar. And uh, I came here initially just as an English teacher I ended up staying much longer than expected and starting a family and, oh, by the way, falling down the rabbit hole, discovering all sorts of information that I did not understand or know about before that I thought was pretty important. And uh, at the time that that was happening, 2006, 2007, I realized the internet revolution in communication was well underway. And so I thought, well, it's the internet age. I might as well start a website, start a podcast. I did it very spur of the moment, very sort of seat of the pants and knew nothing about it, never planned on starting a podcast, didn't have any sort of technical skill or training or background in any of this, but just started doing it because I thought it was important. And here I am 15, 16 years later um, and have reached millions of people around the world, which is a truly humbling thought, but really speaks to the power of the transformation that we have just lived through over the past couple of decades. So living
1: in Japan and, you know, sharing the stuff that you're sharing, have you received any flack at all? Have you, you know, has that, you know, jeopardized you in any way or your status in Japan? Because the stuff that you're sharing kind of goes against what
0: the political grain is. Yeah, sometimes I get that question, why did you move to Japan? Like, was it some sort of conscious thing they were doing to evade the authorities or something. Uh, no, as I said, I came here just as an English teacher. I had no intention or plan or knowledge of any of this at that time. So uh, it's just happenstance that I ended up here. But as a foreign resident speak talking in English to a mostly non-Japanese audience, there are some Japanese who listen, but not that many. Um, it, I, I tend to think I go under the radar. I certainly haven't been contacted by anyone. I think a lot of people think that as soon as you start talking about any sort of controversial subject, there's gonna be all sorts of cloak and daggers and spies and agents and what have you. And although I am sure some of that does go on, uh, it certainly isn't the kind of out in the open, you're, we're watching you kind of thing that uh, I think some people might expect. And I think that's actually part of the control mechanism that is used to stop people from speaking out and stop people from doing anything, is that, oh, you know, they're gonna come after you. And I'm, I'm here to say, not necessarily. Uh, I, granted, it might be different if I was back home in Canada doing this, but at any rate, here in Japan, I haven't had that kind of uh, interaction.
1: Oh, uh, that's awesome! I'm in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, so I'm a no, fellow in the my fellow hometown. Town.
0: Oh, you're from Calgary as well. I am a Calgarian born and raised. Oh, okay, that's amazing. Spent some time uh, in St. Albert, <laughs> so, uh, but I did not convert to an Oilers fan. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: Um, well, let's get right into it. So what's your thoughts on what's happening with Russia? And, uh, you know, because I heard one of your reports talking about that, you know, either even though Putin was, you know, not saying he was for mandatory vaccinations, um, the people underneath him in his government, you know, some people, they did mandate things, anybody that was coming in from Ukraine, um, had to, you know, have the mandatory vaccination. So what do you think is happening with Russia in the global scale? And, you know, these four uh, injections.
0: If people want to know uh, in deeper detail about the story of Russia and its vaccination and COVID policies, I could not recommend strongly enough the Substack of Edward, Edward Slavsquat. Um, that's the the writing name, the pen name of uh, Riley Wagaman, who I've had on my, my program a couple of times. And he uh, is a foreign resident. He's been living in Russia. I believe he's currently in Georgia, um, but he has been living in that region for several years and he has been documenting the COVID response of Russia. And uh quite contrary to what some elements of the alternative media would have you believe, Russia is not the paradise that's going to save us from this new world order agenda. They are very much on board with the COVID biosecurity state, the World Health Organization, pushing vaccine passport ideas and other such things on the international stage. As I say, Riley slash Edward Squad, has been documenting that on his very thoroughly for the past couple of years. So people who need to get caught up to speed on that should. And I think that speaks to the sort of the broader problem that we're facing, which is one that I have seen over and over and over and over again in the 16 years I've been doing this, which is that everyone is always looking to that. That's that political savior who's just around the corner, and who's totally going to save us from all of this new world order machination. And whether that takes the form of a Trump or a QAnon or a Putin or something like that, it's always this political savior that's going to come from the corners and save everyone. Uh, I am here to say that that is hopium. And if people need a a better understanding of what hopium is, how it functions, why it works so well, and how to avoid it, I did a piece on that uh, a couple of years ago called uh, A Brief History of Hopium, um, which you can find at CorbettReport.com slash hopium, H-O-P-I-U-M. And the idea, the central idea of that is that, of course, people People's natural inclination to want some sort of deus ex machina, some God from the machine, some someone to come down from the heavens and and just make everything right again is weaponized and used against us as part of our psychology. And I think the uh, the putting of Putin and Russia on some sort of pedestal as if they are not active participants in the World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, all of these um, international globalist groups that are part of this agenda is is hoping.
1: Um, so do you think that there are, you know, factions at play that are trying to stop this new world order, or is it just mostly the citizen journalists, the people that know what's going on, or do you think that there is groups of people getting together to try to stop, you know, this insane, um, agenda to lock everybody biomedically and all the rest of it, what they want, want you to eat bugs and everything else that they're saying that they want us to do?
0: Well, uh, let's put it this way. Of course, there are people who are getting together to resist that. And I'm one of them. And I assume you are one of them. And I'm sure there are many people in your audience who are part of that. Yes, there are people who are actively resisting this. Are there people in positions of power in the global power structure that are actively resisting that? Well, I'd love to see some examples. There are, of course... The the politicians that say the right things and do certain things that uh, when they do good things, let's applaud them. Let's not be so cynical that we can't applaud anything. But uh, again, I'm not holding my breath for Governor DeSantis to become President DeSantis and save the United States or anything like that. Um, Having said that, I think it's important to understand this biosecurity paradigm that we're stepping into as, as not some sort of fundamentally new thing that's never been envisioned before. I relate it to the homeland security paradigm that we entered after 9-11. And on many different levels, I think the parallels are there. One of which is that the war on terror, which was the war of terror, more aptly put, um, was a, uh, it, it was the perfect carte blanche excuse for every power structure in the world to declare their enemies terrorists, in which case all rights are uh, abandoned. There's no there's no pretense of, you know, judges and juries or anything like that. You are an enemy terrorist combatant. We reserve the right to kill you any time, anywhere, abduct you, you know, do anything we want to you because you are the terrorist, right? So in the wake of 9-11, absolutely every power structure in the world was salivating. Yes, great war on terror. This is great. We're going to use this, and so of course Russia is helping to fight, uh, helping America to fight the war on terror. Look, we've got those Chechen rebels, and China is helping to fight the war on terror. We've got these Uyghur Muslims, and all of these um, different power structures love the idea of the war on terror. In the same way, every power structure on the planet loves the idea of the biosecurity state. Now, everyone is a potential bioterrorist, a walking biohazard who has to prove themselves healthy before they can be allowed to enter into society. That is exactly the type of control that, of course, everyone in a position of power who desires control over other human beings wants. This is the perfect excuse for implementing every single one in the checklist of these would-be tyrants. And uh, again, People who are attracted to positions of power, who believe that they are, uh, the authority is valid and, and should exist in this fashion, uh, of course, they're going to go along with the biosecurity agenda because it gives them the ability to do what they want with it. And who knows? I don't read the minds and hearts of men. I don't know. But maybe they believe that, oh, well, I, when I put on the ring of power, I'll use it for good. But if there's anything that we've learned from Lord of the Rings or any other number of uh, uh, pieces that have been written about this concept over the years, it is that you cannot put on the ring of power and wield it for good. It is by its very nature. It is evil. So all of these systems for tracking, controlling, surveilling, curtailing our activities in day-to-day life are there simply for Uh, Purposes that, let's not mince words, are evil. It is for controlling humans rather than allowing them to live and flourish as free, independent human beings on this planet. So anyone who is interested in this needs to be running in the exact opposite direction to this um, tendency towards centralization of everything. And uh, they're using, obviously, healthcare as the thin edge of a very large wedge.
1: How do we stop them from implementing this biosecurity world, you know, without... uh you know uh without civil war actually you know doing it you know actually with guns and violence do you see any other solutions to stopping what they potentially want to, to have happen
0: well uh, uh, unfortunately in some ways it would be so much easier if guns and violence was the solution. Because at the very least, then we would have a battlefield, and there'd be lines drawn, and we could have a war like in the olden days, and the winner would take all. And hey, we may lose, we may win, but anyway, here's the fight. But it isn't like that, and it doesn't function that way. Because uh, it. let's imagine some horrible authoritarian system r- ruled by some oppressive tyrant. Let's just imagine if that could exist on this planet. And, uh, uh obviously a bunch of people are like, no, we're going to overthrow this, this tyrant. We don't like him anymore. So they, they range their forces on the field. They, they battle against the, uh, the king's forces. They win. And now the inevitable next question is, okay, so now who's king? Okay. Well, now you're the king. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he turned out to be a tyrant too. Oh no. <laughs> this is the pattern that is perpetually followed because people, uh, unless and until they have an ideological grounding, uh, in something that is going to provide a truly different idea of order, whether that be order in the sense of top-down authoritarian control or spontaneous order, which is something that most people haven't even heard of, um, unless and until people have an, an, an understanding of what it is they're trying to replace this system with, I don't think there's going to be fruitful, um, resistance. Now, Bring this back down to the individual brass tacks level. Um, People like you and me and other people who, well, I don't know about you, but I have absolutely no political power of any sort whatsoever. Um, All I have is my voice, and that's that's all I can do. So what do I do for myself and my family to try to combat this agenda? Well, a couple of things occur to me, one of which is this agenda is all about centralization of power, centralization of control, bringing more and more power into fewer and fewer hands to be governed in a top down. System and fashion. So, if it's all about centralization, centralization of data, centralization of of uh, understanding of every movement and and of uh, uh, transaction that we're engaging in, then we have to decentralize absolutely as much as possible. That is the true opposite motion here—not to vote in another government that we hope will do better or something along those lines, but to take the steps towards decentralizing down to the individual level by engaging in voluntary cooperative communities who of like-minded people who similarly understand what's going on and what's happening. Now, again, what does that mean on the brass tax level? That means, for example, exactly what we just saw over the past few years. Um, I was just listening to a conversation with, and I will you'll have to forgive me for forgetting the name of this gentleman, but the person who um, was the owner and operator of Without Papers Pizza in Calgary, who, um, as far as I understand, his business was thriving but is now uh, not operating because he was refusing to go along with the various mandates that uh, the city government was putting on his business, um, trying to get check people to see if they've been vaccinated in order to eat pizza at his restaurant. Um, Absolute nonsense. And he did not go along with it. Um, Now, that is, I think, part of the solution. For, For example, someone who owns a restaurant, what can I do about this agenda? Well, do not go along with this agenda. Put the foot down and stop Complying with the the mandates, and every I've, probably every person in every walk of life has some some way that they can do that. So many people were affected by these vaccine mandates and what have you. It starts with resistance on the individual level, it, but it only continues when we start coming together um, with like minded people, identifying those people who are not going along with these mandates and with what's going on, and uh, bring and finding ways to cooperate with each other. Um, can you imagine instead of some business operating uh, through a business license that's granted by the authority of the city and under provincial regulations and federal regulations and blah, blah, blah. Can you imagine if people were, I don't know, transacting directly with each other? And hey, maybe the government doesn't even have to know that that exists. Black markets, gray markets, they exist. They always have and presumably always will. But they only thrive in times when people recognize and understand the need to be able to operate outside the system as it has been set up. And unless and until people start getting comfortable with at least broaching the topic of these types of activities, I think we're going to be led back into the same controlled system over and over and over again.
1: Do you think that uh, the implementation of digital money and the removal of, you know, cash as currency would, you know, stop that black market or people to be able to trade and it would have to everything would be monitored and enhanced, you know, tracked, traced and governed.
0: I, it certainly could. Um, if the, if we went from 100 to 100% cashless society and Literally every transaction was being monitored. Say there was a retail CBDC currency that was um, distributed through wallets directly with the Bank of Canada, and they literally monitored every single transaction happening in all of the economy at all time. Yes, they could essentially end black market activity of any sort, except for, well, I guess we could still barter and trade with each other. And uh, I mean, maybe there'd be some remnants of cash or some sort of cash-like system would arise. People would start printing their own money or realizing, oh, there's Calgary dollars. What are these? Things along those lines. So I think there will always be points at which you can skirt around the system, um, unless and until they have 100% total AI constant surveillance of every human being on the planet and every breath they're taking, which is ultimately the way this is trending, isn't it? But unless and until that happens, there will always be um, vents and ways around certain things, loopholes. And I think, to a certain extent, if if I were in a position of centralized authority trying to crack down on the populace, I would recognize and allow certain pockets of activity like that as an escape valve, as in the creating the, the Moss Eisley of Canada. You yeah, you can go to, I don't know, Airdrie <laughs> and you can have your little. But it'll be like the pirate area and it'll be horrible and it'll be full of the scum and villainy of the earth and the refuse and the pirates and the weirdos. And you won't want to go there and you probably won't live long if you if you go there. They might allow certain areas like that as an escape valve. So there are many different ways that this can play out. Um, but again, that all is predicated on there being this centralized system of control and people going along with it. So I, the real question is, how do we get from here in a society where cash and barter and other things still exist, to a society where it would be 100% CBDC and nothing else. That would be by people complying every step of the way. And when the government starts taking away the cash and giving you the electronic wallets, okay, what app do I download? How do I do this? Okay, yes, I'll do it. Oh, I have to pay taxes in this? Okay. Anything you say, Mr. Government. It comes from people complying with these mandates. So again, we have to start flexing the muzzles of resistance. And it could start extremely small, it could start at something like, for example, recently here in Japan, I needed to get a new ATM card for my bank account because uh, the, the old one was broken. And so I went to the, the register, the cash the teller, a, a, as usual, as I've done in the past and say, oh, I need a replacement card. And they tried to get me to download the bank's app in order to, to purchase it or to, to uh, request it via the app. And I just said, no. I don't have a smartphone. I'm not going to download an app to do this. And it blew their minds and they had to scurry around. But eventually they found, oh, okay, well, just fill out this paperwork and I guess we can do it the way we've been doing it for the entirety of the bank's existence in this (laughs) special case. But again, unless more people are putting their foot down and saying, no, I'm not going to download your app in order to uh, order off your menu or Things along these lines that seem small, but they are part of an indoctrination system that is getting us prepared for the digital ID, which will be the step into the social credit slash CBDC era. And we have to start resisting that on every level today.
1: Lots of different people are coming up with different solutions. I've been invited to a few meetings of people that are doing this coin where they're doing... uh, um, uh, ca- not cannabis but uh, the hemp based as you know currency with hemp you know being the backing behind it so there's a lot of different solutions have you heard of the constitutional conventions.ca that are looking to decentralize things they want to create um, you know their own kind of constitutional republics where they create their own constitution for say each city or each province you know opposed to you know the fraudulent you know corporation of canada or all these other fraudulent governments and actually make real constitutions written by the people for the people, not by the Freemasons for protecting the oligarchs, and, you know, the way that, you know, it's been written now.
0: I haven't heard of that organization in particular. I've certainly heard of this type of idea being forwarded in many different places around the world, including Canada. So I'm glad to see people are at least thinking along these lines. And uh, I think people who are interested should at the very least be starting to explore these types of options and what they mean. Now, this type of thing has been done in various ways over the years, um, from little, small-scale art projects, uh, the the world's smallest republic, which I saw in when I visited Vienna, I think it was, and it was literally just a little, a little dome sort of domicile that someone had created and declared was his own republic. And he issued his own passports and things, or, um, John Lennon had free topia or whatever he called it. And anyone can be a citizen. You just sign up in your imagination or those sorts of things. So unfortunately uh, at, at a certain point, these types of ideas rubber meets road at a certain point, and it probably will involve confrontation with real authorities. And again, uh, as I say, uh, the, the confrontation, uh, is meaningless if it doesn't come with a sort of uh, an ideological precept behind it. So people who are getting involved in this should understand that where this is trending and how 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 committed they are to this, and then also what they are trying to set up on the other side. And I think people need to, um, well, personally, I wouldn't join anything that didn't allow me to maintain my individual sovereignty. I am a sovereign, free human being, and I may choose to to uh, declare residence or declare citizenship of this or that constitutional republic or whatever, because I agree with these stated principles, etc. But I may withdraw that at any time. I think voluntary participation in these types of things is absolutely essential, at at least for me. That's the deal breaker.
1: Have you heard of undrip and the last uh, the loss of our loss of our land rights? Um, it's now law. A lot of places in Canada are signing on. Vancouver signed on. Um, that's the United Nations where they want to give back the land to the indigenous. But it's a way that they're going to steal the land from everybody because there'll no longer be any treaty rights. You know, it's a it's a it's a cloak and dagger than you know stealing it. Have you heard of it? And what's your thoughts I, on it? I haven't.
0: Can you give me that name again? Landrip. Uh, Undrip.
1: Undrip. Undrip. So that's the new thing that, you know, is, you know, to give back the land rights to the indigenous. And I know the. The uh, mayor of Vancouver, the last thing that she did before she went out of office was signed on the UNDRIP and all these places are signing on to UNDRIP. And part of this, you know, we obviously heard about the residential school stuff, you know, people saying, hey, you know, a lot of people, you know, really sad about, you know, all the stuff that happened with the schools. And they're using that to help, you know, foster in this UNDRIP. Yeah, we need to give the land back to the indigenous. But most of the chiefs are, you know, already bought and paid for. So, you know, the people on the, the reserves, and we've had, you know, uh, numerous here on The Missing Link talk about it, is that, you know, they live in their big fancy houses, while the people on the reserves, you know, they don't really get the fruits of, you know, what the reservation is supposed to get.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that is the way that these types of things often function. If you can buy off the leadership then the leaders will mislead their people, and unfortunately, that is a tactic that has worked time and time again throughout many different countries all over the world. That was the, the one of the key ways that colonialism worked as a strategy, and it's the way this sort of neo-colonial um, stratagem, stratagem can function. And uh, I mean, in a sense, if you had if you had a genuine movement like this with some genuine leaders of indigenous peoples that. Were, okay, well, we're going to make this into a free area and everyone's invited. It, it, it could work out spectacularly well, but I assume that most of these people, as you say, have been bought and paid for and are in the positions they're in precisely because they will go along with a sort of uh, covert land grab like this.
1: Have you heard of communitarianism with the mix of capitalism and communism? And is that the system that it looks like the New World Order looks to adopt?
0: Uh, yes, uh, I, I am going to forget who wrote "Cloak of Green" again. I'm not sure. I, the, the name Kierupano, Urbana, Kierupano, I Urbana. think. At any rate, I have talked to I talked to her before. I believe she passed away a couple of years ago, but I I did talk to her on my radio show a number of years ago about communitarianism, about Agenda 21 at that time before it became the 2030 Agenda, um, etc. And the the way that this is being implemented. And yes, that I think. There is something to this. Uh, essentially, the uh, we get at the bottom level of the propaganda pyramid, which we are at, where we get the gutter swill of the bare minimum of information that we need in order to tie our shoelaces and do whatever our masters tell us to do, we are given these highly degraded concepts and views of the world. So for example, the left-right political paradigm does not describe the real political paradigm, which yes, does involve a left and a right, but definitely involves an up and a down axis as well as in libertarian authoritarian. And without that understanding, you could be blown away by um, things like I just talked about on my program, um, the Rage Against the War Machine rally that's being co-organized by the People's Party and the Libertarian Party in the United States. But wait, I thought libertarians were kind of right-wing type of people, and I thought People's Party were left-wing type. Of people. No, they're both libertarian in the sense anti-authoritarian. So that's why there may be a, a, cor- a correspondence there. And another concept that I think has been greatly degraded is capitalist and communist um, I think the real understanding comes at the level of the monetary system and how that functions and the banks and how they create money, um, is the basis for real control over society. And they are monopolists and they want, they are oligopolists at best, and they want their cartel to be able to continue to function and thrive while the vast masses of people starve and, um, cry out under the, the thumb of the banksters. And from that perspective, both the crony capitalism, which is dangled in front of our face as capitalism, and the uh, the communism that has taken various forms in various countries over the years, are being steered, puppeteered, financed by the banksters, who benefit from both types of systems in different ways, and whose long-term plan, according to people like Professor Anthony Sutton, who was of the Hoover Institution Institute before he got kicked out for talking a little too much truth and writing, for example, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, Wall Street and FDR? Um, uh, he he started to to understand and to articulate with a lot of historical information that people can find in his books that the it was the same bankers, the same um, financial interests that were funding the communists and the so called capitalists and who benefit from ultimately the merging of those systems. And I think that's what you're gesturing to with communitarianism and things along those lines. I think that's the direction for this 2030 world that I think they're trying to bring into existence, the World Economic Forum and others. And of course, it is all a trick. It is all a ploy just to centralize power even more in the hands of even fewer people. A perfect example of this is the ESG scores, which is all based on this idea that, of course, we've had this capitalist idea that you're a business owner, you own your business, and you're working for your business interests. But that's a destructive and horrible idea because now we need need to move towards stakeholder capitalism because it's not just your shareholders who are directly um, uh, under the effect of what you do with your business. No, it's everyone in the community who has a stake in that business and who has a stake in a business like whatever, McDonald's or name any other major corporation. Well, everyone, everyone's affected by what this corporation is doing, both environmentally, but also how, you know, what the wages that they pay and all of these things are things that affect the community broadly. So we need to move to a stakeholder capitalist system. And under this system, we will assign ESG scores to corporations. Are you being a good boy? And following all the proper rules, whatever those rules happen to be today, in the name of saving Mother Earth from the weather gods and or whatever else we come up with tomorrow. For example, it, shortly after uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, they started floating the idea, well, ESG scores should now be tied to whether or not your business does business with Russia. If you do business with Russia, then your ESG score will have to go down. So it, it is just a cudgel to be used as a weapon, to weaponized against any business that uh, they don't like for any reason whatsoever. But this is the idea, oh, it's all about inclusion and environment and helping to sustain Mother Earth and tempering cap- that horrible free market with, with some good uh, restrictions and regulations that will have some teeth to them. Um, that's the system that ultimately benefits the very few in power the most because they get to decide what the ESG scores are and who who what grade we're using and how, how we determine that grade. And the, the person with that power essentially controls trillions upon trillions of dollars in investable capital around the world, ultimately. And that's exactly what they are attempting to do to consolidate that power into you and to weaponize it against anyone who would go against that agenda. So yes, this is kind of the base of the problem and it really has nothing to do with capitalism or communism, the way we've been taught about those, those subjects.
1: So you're talking about like BlackRock, you know, controlling all these, you know, the the monies and the funds. Now, if there's a certain power structure And, you know, one way to, you know, defund or maybe stop, would it be the war machine? Would it be the pharmaceuticals? Would it be the bankers? Would it be, you know, even a step, you know, is it the Jesuits, you know, the the Vatican, like, who is actually, you know, the ones that are actually pulling the strings, you know, behind this whole structure that has enslaved everyone here?
0: I think the problem that we fall into, and it's one that I think is part of our cultural programming, our predictive programming, all of the, the media that we consume since the time we're children, is the idea. Uh, I liken it to something like the ending of Tron, if you happen to remember that movie, where you know they, they battle against the evil master computer, and uh, they win, and the evil red master computer dies, and all of the systems turn blue, and everything's good again, because you, you, there, there was the literal head of the enemy. You struck it down and now everything's good again. And that is a false template. That is not how reality works. So if you're asking, should, you know, should we be resisting the war machine? Should we be resisting the the banksters? Should we be resisting big pharma? Uh, You know, pick your poison. Yes, we should be resisting all of them simultaneously. And the worst part is, this is not comforting news, but it is something that people need to hear. There is no head of the hydra that if we chop it off, will not regrow. Of course, if no matter who you think about, no matter what group you think is in charge, if they were to be removed from the face of the planet overnight by some wonderful, glorious, bloody revolution, presumably, um, there would be a million people who would be more than happy to jump into that position of power the second it is vacated. What we are facing is not a particular group. We are facing an ideology. It is an idea that essentially there are people who are fit to rule over other human beings. And there have been many different justifications proffered for that over the years from the what we would probably in our enlightened era, we would Think are just ridiculous. The the sort of religious um, God has given power to this family to rule over this geographical area. Really, I I didn't see that happen. Well, anyway, okay, uh, the divine right to rule or something along those lines. But of course, that had to be updated for the post enlightenment era. So um, we had a quasi pseudo scientific justification. No, it's your genes. Actually, what they originally referred to as your protoplasm, because they didn't even understand the scientific um, concepts that they were talking about. But there's some sort of protoplasm that gets passed from generation to generation. And poor people are poor because they have defective uh, protoplasm. And, uh, and rich and powerful families are rich and powerful because they have the, the better genes. And that, unfortunately, is a mindset that un- uh, I'm sure a lot of people in positions of power Of course they're happy to believe that. Yes, I am rich and powerful because I deserve to be. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to believe. But at any rate, the idea that top-down authoritarian control is the way to order the planet and is actually a good thing is something that far, far too many people believe in, including a lot of people who are against the, the World Economic Forum agenda or any of these agendas are themselves people who think, oh, well. What we need is that that type of centralized, powerful, authoritarian structure, but in the hands of the good people, people like me, we can do it. Again, it is the ring of power itself that must be cast into the fires of Mordor and destroyed for all time, or we will never Ever win, and I'm I'm not sure this is again. That that's that's a type of false template that we're given that there is a fires of Mordor that we can throw the ring in. Unfortunately, this is something that every generation throughout human history will has had to and will have to deal with. Every single generation, there's no there's no way we can fight uh, this and win it for all time. But we have to demonstrate that top-down authoritarian rule is not the most efficient way to run run the planet. Again, even that concept has embedded within it the idea that there needs to be some sort of ruler in charge of some sort of system that governs the planet. And I don't think that that is um, the the right template through which to be viewing this.
1: Well, I'm 100% in agreement with you. We don't need rulers. I think we could live symbiotically with each other, you know, and we could decentralize. And how do we do that? Have you thought about any potential ways that we can make this happen, you know, kind of step by step, you know, you know, maybe everybody that's listening could, you know, do themselves to help ensure that we don't get, you know, enslaved for eternity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. And one that I uh, tend to think about quite often because yes, anarchy means no rulers, not no rules. Um, So uh, that's something that people have an incredibly hard time understanding. Um, uh, No matter how many times it is repeated, people will continue to think that, oh, well, if you're talking about no rulers, that'll just be anarchy as in chaos, as in people doing whatever they want and nothing will be able to stop them. No, of course not. Of course, everyone has the fundamental uh, God given or whatever you believe in right to defend themselves and that right, of course, can be transferred to others. Of course, I give you the right to defend me. I will pay you for these services or what have you. Of course, there will be ways of ordering ordering a society without having a top-down control ruler who gets the monopoly of violence and power over a geographical area, which is essentially what government and statism is. There is there is some sort of authoritarian thing that exists above and beyond regular human beings, when you put on that cap or that badge or that symbol of power, suddenly you're a special human being who has special rights that can do things that other human beings can't, which of course is a complete superstition that only exists in the minds of people who have been uh, colonized by the statist ideology. So we have to get beyond that mindset. The question, of course, once And and I understand the million objections that people have to that. But once you sort through that and start to understand the moral and ethical reality, that there are no rulers who have any special rights, that 50% plus one of the population voting for something doesn't magically make it right, that people writing down laws on pieces of paper is not the way that that rights and, and things come into existence. Once you can get that through your head... And the question is, how do we move from this statist world in which every single one of us is some sort of citizen of some sort of state that claims authority over us? How do we move from this world to a stateless world? And unfortunately, there is no easy, okay, here's the template, here's the roadmap. And that's, that's where there's going to be a million different things and ideas and ways of doing this. But personally, again, I think if we are facing a concept uh, an ideology of centralization of power and control then the way to 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 really resist that is decentralization and trying to get off of those systems of control as much as possible and as i say that does not mean i mean i suppose it could mean and if you're the type of person that could go out into the middle of the woods and live by yourself for the rest of your life okay i mean if you if you want to go for it but i think most people will not and I don't think most people should do that. Uh, I'm not saying that everyone should be some individual. I'm saying people need to find communities of like-minded people that they can at least get along with enough to be able to live in society with those people. And to start on a small scale in intentional communities that uh, where there are Certain ground rules, sure. And and we all agree that if we're going to live in this place, we'll do this. And if you don't agree, well, you don't have to live here or you don't have to be a member of our community. But if you want to be part of our community, you have to abide by these rules. I think that's the way to start a small scale thing like this. And people will always say, well, as that starts to scale up, I mean, sure, if you have a, a, a bunch of hippies on some commune somewhere, you know, whatever, It's what what does it matter? But once that starts, if that really took off and you really started to get larger and larger communities of people doing that sort of thing and not participating in the CBDCs and the carbon credit scores and all of this, and the point at which it starts to become a threat to the state, well, the state's just going to crack down on it. They're just going to roll in with their tanks and take you over and that's the end of that. And okay, well, maybe that is true. Maybe that's it. Um, But at any rate, uh, without Without starting to try to get off of this system, there is no alternative. There is no alternative from within the system in order to overthrow the system. As I say, every overthrow of the system from within the system is just going to create another system. In order to truly create something different, it has to be done in an alternative way outside of that. And it has to start, I think, from communities of like-minded people coming together, finding each other, and agreeing that they are going to start uh, helping each other to To form the basis of the type of community that we expect in the world around us. And I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is utopia. I'm not even saying that we necessarily are going to win this thing. I don't know. But I, all I know is if we continue along the path we're on, it is it is nightmare. It is dystopia. There is no way through this that is not going to end up in a lot of pain and heartache for a lot of people. And so in order to avoid that, it would been, it would have been better to have started this 10 years ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, but Hey, well, the next best time is today. It's one of
1: my favorite sayings is no better time than the present. So, um, you know, you're exactly right on that. And I'm not sure, you know, where you, you know, uh, your beliefs are here religiously, but I believe that the government is Satanism. I think that the statism and Satanism, I think that's what, you know, our big problem is. And we do need to abolish the government and you know get like you said into more centralized i know dallas uh, you know from the constitutional conventions is educating people to build up the communities and do this you know through your communities and through their you know own little constitution that's protected you know protecting their their own people now um uh, what do you think that, uh, you know, like you said, when, you know, the government may come down upon you, but what other choice do we have? Because they're going to come down and take away all your rights anyways. So if we don't do something, then, you know, all will be lost, I think forever.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I, that, that particular objection seems ludicrous to me because the, the, at the fundamental part of it is that somehow we're going to comply our way out of this. Just continue to do whatever they say and don't cause any problems because if you do, they'll come after you. So just do whatever they say and somehow dot, 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 it'll all turn out. (laughs) Okay, no, I don't see that happening. I'd love to see the game plan that you have for that complying your way out of this, but I think resistance has to happen at some point.
1: Now, what's your thoughts on, you know, like aliens and some galactics that are coming, benevolent forces that are here? Because a lot of people are, you know, uh, have bought into that, you know, we don't really have to do anything because there's forces here because they're, you know, humans are stopping the evolution of the universe. And because it's so out of balance here that there are forces here. Um, Do you think that buys into their plan of, you know, of, of them? Uh, you know, saying that there are some aliens, some they're going to have, I've, we've had some people come here talk that potentially there's going to be an alien invasion, which is actually, you know, uh, a military ships that are done by project blue beam that looks like aliens. And then other aliens are going to come and stop them and they're going to be our saviors. And that's kind of the final stand to, you know, total tyranny that they're now we're going to be locked down under this alien rule.
0: Yeah. Uh, If people are interested, should check my website for, I believe it was called How to Fake an Alien Invasion, which was all about that precise idea, that scenario being planned out. And there are various documents and things that you can point to for um, what has been called Project Bluebeam Technologies to essentially fake an alien invasion in order to unite the planet. Because as Reagan said, I've often thought if there was an alien threat that we'd all come together and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Anyway, I think, again, I would revert back to um, my piece on hopium. Uh, I think there are lots of ways to get a lot of people to, again, be waiting for some sort of outside thing that's going to happen, as if it's constantly putting people in the position, which I think is a comfortable position to be in, that you are a spectator in all of this. You're just some, you know, you're just some spectator that's watching a show out there, and that politician or that alien or that Q, whatever Q is, or these sorts of outside forces are do, having these grand epic battles and we just sit there and watch it and then eventually good wins and we all benefit. And that, that's no better. there's no better encapsulation of that mentality than in the old refrain of the uh, QAnoners, you, you grab your popcorn, enjoy the show. That's what it is to these people. It is a show to be watched but life is not a spectator sport it is an active thing that we are living we are not we are not watching actors on a screen we are history's actors we are writing the history books of tomorrow with our actions today what we choose what we do with our time the way that we invest our money but also our time our energy our our life force what are we doing what are we creating what are we building that is the question that matters not what alien force or politician or whatever is going to do something on some Mount Olympus somewhere. That is hopium. That is just trying to get you to watch the show instead of become an active participant in your own life.
1: Do you think that there may be some military factions that, you know, see what's going on? And you know, are potentially you know trying to bind together to stop some of this insanity? Or do you think because we had Lieutenant Stephen Rogers on here and he's all for military? We need the military. And I've been a kind of anti military. I think you know, they're the biggest polluters, the biggest destruction, biggest slave keepers. You know, so I'm totally against what the military has done. And you know, they make the argument, well, then China will take over or Russia will take over. But you know, I've always been telling people for years and years bring all the troops home if everybody brought all their troops home focused on their own countries fixed their own countries first and then be able to um you know a provide any abundance to other places not giving 50 million to gender studies in africa and this money here and that money here and you know when nothing ends up being solved but do you think that there are maybe potential or are they so indoctrinated so trained you know to not think and follow orders that you know there aren't really people within you know military structures that see what's going on and maybe want to actively try to stop it
0: well, again, these types of institutions are not monolithic, especially broad, huge institutions like the military. There are many, many people in the military, and I'm sure many of them are not on board with all of the aspects of this agenda. And um, some may be even in positions high up in the military. But who ultimately writes the checks, who ultimately uh, is deciding who who gets the promotions and who gets into the positions of power? It is unfortunately the same um, fi- financiers who control most of the rest of the political establishment. So I don't think I'm not, uh, let's put it this way. I, I'm not holding my breath waiting for the military coup to happen and then hoping that the martial law that they institute under this new military leadership will be benevolent and good. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I, I'd like to look in history for an example of that working out and um, I'm racking my brain. Now, having said that, um, I am a big believer in Um, uh, something that I highlighted on my Solutions Watch podcast last year called uh, Simple Sabotage. And it's the idea that uh, there are a lot of people in positions that may not seem powerful, but actually have power over... whether and how this system functions and whether it can actually do the things that it's trying to do. And I pointed as an example, again, I know nothing about this person or who he was or what he's motivated by, but there was that, um, Vermont, uh, water, um, engineer who was looking after the water supply in some, some corner of Vermont who for years had been quietly lowering the fluoride levels and basically, de fluoridating the water, um, and every time the uh, the EPA's or the higher ups would come in and m- monitor the water, oh, this is this is down. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll get that right back up. And every time, you kept it, it kept going down again until eventually he it, uh, he got fired, um, as unfortunately tends to happen in those cases. But it's an example of someone in a position where you can kind of put some sort of monkey wrench in the works and stop things from functioning um, as as smoothly as they otherwise would. And on the military level, of course, that can happen in a lot of ways. There have been a few examples that we could even point to that are quite large examples of this. And I I won't remember the specifics of this off the top of my head, but I am inclined to say that it was during the Bush administration, um, when uh, s- s- towards the latter end of the Bush administration, when they were clearly starting to ring the alarm bells and try to drudge up war against Iran. And, uh, my recollection is there was a general and I do not remember which one, but I believe maybe that the head of the joint chiefs of staff at the time that said essentially, no, I'm resigning. If you attempt to do this, I am not, we are not going to start world war three. I'm not going to war in Iran. Um, Again, I I, I probably have the specifics of this off, but there was an event like that that took place in the past decade, decade and a half. And that is the type of thing that demonstrably can make a huge difference. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the military coup d'etat that, you know, topples the government and institutes martial law, but there are lots of ways that um, pressure can be applied in the reverse direction against the politicians that are trying to lead on the behalf of whoever's pulling their strings towards certain war positions or what have you. There can be resistance on many different levels. Um, Again, having said that, I'm not holding my breath and waiting for that to be the answer to this.
1: What's your thoughts on control opposition agents that are put into the freedom movements and put into places? Because from what I know from all the research that I've been doing for the last 30 years is that these people, they rule by secrecy. They hide in their little caves. They do their little pajama party underground secret societies. And, you know, they're they don't want to be known. Yet yeah, there's a lot of people that are exposing them. And right now, throughout history, more people have waken up now in the last three years, more than I've seen in 30 plus years. And, you know, a lot of people that are heading some of these, you know, movements, you know, are getting attacked by everyone. He's a controlled op, he's a controlled op, everybody's a controlled op, which, you know, makes there's so much infighting and it makes all the groups not be able to come together. So, you know, do you think that these... Are you know a lot of controlled ops that are leading these movements, or do you think that that's just you know a lot of people falling for the controlled ops psyop to keep people divided and not uniting together?
0: Yeah, I, I I tend to think more towards the latter. If I haven't been con- called a controlled opposition shill three times before my first cup of coffee, I must think oh, my, maybe my email's broken today or something. Uh, I, yeah, of course I get this all the time. And look, no one out there knows because how would you know? But I know. I am not controlled opposition. I'm not a shill. I'm not dancing to anyone's tune. I'm calling my own shots. So I know who I am. I know I'm real. And I know I'm going to continue doing exactly what I do in the way that I do it um, as long as I can. Because I know it is important and it is making a difference. But here's the thing. That's me, personally. I know this. You don't know this, as I say. I, well, of course, that's what a controlled opposition position show would say, isn't it? Um, But this is the point. It is to get people to doubt everyone and everything. Okay, fine. Doubt everyone. Be skeptical. Don't take anyone's word for it. Please, literally, really, don't just accept what people are saying because they say it. The bottom line of this particular PSYOP is to get people to accept the premise of all of this, which is that you out there, you yourself can only listen to other people and you only have to do what other people are saying and you and when somebody that you 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 assign trust I trust this person this one's real and this one's fake and so this person's this fake person saying this thing I don't like oh well, that can't be true but this true person saying uh, this person I trust who's saying this thing well then I'll believe it and that's That's idiocy, that's stupidity. Does anyone work that way? No, you, at the very least, you know that you are a real human being. You know that you're not some controlled opposition, fake shill, whatever. So you decide, you use your own discernment to, and, uh, to understand what is going on, to take information on and see if you can triangulate and, and oh, does that make sense? And can, can I verify that thing? You become the person who decides, okay, I'm going to, I believe this. I think this is right. I think this is wrong. And then you don't have to, it doesn't matter what, control, oh, that guy's controlled up that guy's, that guy's real. You don't have to take sides on all of this. You understand and you internalize in your own way the information you're taking on board and you move forward with that information. And you're not, you don't have to be beholden to other gurus and, and, and d- d- constantly deciding who is trustworthy and who isn't. You know what to do, and you can go out there and do it. So do not, I am not your leader. I am not your guru. I am not asking you to believe me. I am not. Do not follow me in that sense. I am saying, follow my example. I'm not out here calling, oh, that guy's a controlled chill, and oh, that guy's real deal. I know when I see information that I can triangulate, that I know is true, and that resonates. Okay, that's I believe that. And I'm going to go out there and promote that idea because I think that's a good idea. That's what we should all be doing individually. And exactly right. And we don't even have to speculate about this. I have talked about it before. I I did a piece on this uh, a year or two ago uh, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I believe. Um, I released an editorial about Cass Sunstein, who people in your audience may or may not know um, was Obama's information czar. Um, But shortly before he became uh, that, That weirdly named position, um, he had written a paper about the idea of cognitive infiltration. And it was this paper about how, well, the government could, in order to quell these conspiracy theorists, they could cognitively infiltrate these conspiracy theorist groups, put people who are government agents, some of whom may declare themselves openly to be government agents. And here's, no, no, you're wrong because this is what the government says. But some people who would go undercover and who would pretend to be part of the community and who would share information that would disrupt these community conspiracy theorists and, and the false information they're sharing. And this got picked up on widely in the alternative media. And suddenly everyone was looking for cognitive infiltrators. See, because look, Cass Sunstein wrote about this and this is what they're going to do. And so that guy must be cognitive infiltration. That guy must be cognitive infiltration. That guy must be. And lo and behold, whether or not that particular idea was ever instantiated, Cass Sunstein wins. He wins because he put that idea in people's heads. And now people are spending all their time looking for these cognitive infiltrators and trying to short out the shills from the true people instead of taking their own personal responsibility for their own mind space and what they are going to do with their lives. That is the bottom line. And when we get distracted fighting other people who may or may not be on your side, sure, whatever. But if you spend all your time just trying to fight other people instead of speaking your own mind and living your own truth, then you've already lost.
1: And I think it's like, that's right on the money. You said it bang on. And I think it also, you know, it discredits you and your information because there is, if you're, you know, targeting someone else that a lot of people believe in and believe in that information, they're not going to listen to you no matter how good your information is because they've connected with someone else. You're trying to discredit them for whatever reason, you know, you don't like the tattoos on their neck or you don't like that they were born into a certain family or whatever. You know, and then now all of a sudden you are now lower to them because now they don't even want to hear what you have to say because now the walls have been, you know, drawn the lines in the sand, you know, and I think that that has been a disservice to us. These people that keep trying to attack others instead of trying to build the communities and decentralize and work on solutions instead of attacking other people that, you know, just because they've got a bigger following than other people.
0: I, I think jealousy is certainly a part of it. Ego comes into it. There are well-meaning people who just get caught up in that game. But um, a- again, I, I've said what I said. I stand by it. Don't look for leaders to follow and don't, don't put people up on pedestals so that you can knock the pedestal down and feel like you've accomplished something. Live your own life. And, and you know you are real. You have discernment. I believe in you, all of you out there. You can do this. You do not need gurus to follow
1: uh elon musk and his starlink what's your thoughts on that and how that's gonna have you know take place in in what everything that's going on
0: uh i'd say the public face of starlink is a distraction it is a dod contract um uh essentially to put whatever the department of defense is putting up there under cover of classification and secrecy that will We'll know about maybe one day after they reveal it to us. But uh, essentially, Elon Musk is nothing other than a, a convenient cutout for the military and the intelligence agencies that are puppeteering him.
1: That's what I've been telling people for years that he was a CIA plant. He used to even have on his Wikipedia that he was an actor. You know, that was on his Wikipedia. I saw it on Wikipedia that he was an actor. Well, and you know, and,
0: Wikipedia for what it's worth, but.
1: Well, yeah, we've ha- I've had some battles on that. But uh, you know, you know, you know, you can actually change those things, but Um, do you think that like people like when Elon Musk and he's doing this Twitters and he's releasing all this information, this is all good to help the collective, but what deviousness do you see
0: behind it? Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's go back for the third time to hopium, um, uh, Trump QAnon, uh, DeSantis, aliens, Musk, Uh, a lot of people are putting their hopes in these types of saviors. And I think Musk has become one for a certain section of the, uh, essentially the same sort of populist factions that were behind Trump are now thinking that Musk is going to save them. And they will be equally disappointed when they discover that their hero is 100% on board with every key part of the globalist agenda from the brain chips to the carbon taxes to all of this. And who is, oh, by the way, a literal open military contractor um, who has only got into the position of richest man in the world, according to the you know Forbes list. so take that for what it's worth. I- I'm not even sure that's true anymore, given how much money he has supposedly lost in the past few months, whatever, blah, blah blah. But he only got into that position through government subsidies, through government backing, and as 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 is obvious to anyone with their head screwed on straight at this point. At the precise moment where he becomes a genuine liability to the powers that shouldn't be, if he actually starts to actually work in ways that are truly against the establishment, they can yak- yank that uh, out at any time and uh, and presumably would do so. So, uh, again, I'm not waiting for Musk to come save me. So
1: when we see these people that kind of have awoken in the power structure or part of the Illuminati or part of this, you know, in organization and they start speaking out against it do you, a lot of people, oh no, he's just a shill like the stuff like Kanye talking about, you know, these murders his mom and can these people actually wake up and be helpful to the collective? Or do you think that this is just another smoke show while they're trying to do other things behind the scenes? They put someone out into the public, you know, so that it's kind of distract while they're implementing other things.
0: Well, again, I think this leads us towards speculating on individual psychologies and you know who is is does Kanye really believe that or is he just saying that as part of a psyop? Again, it gets us into that, oh, this guy's a shill and this guy's trust, trustworthy, etc. So again, it gets us looking outwards to these people as people that we should be relying on. There is no single person within the global system of control that is truly a new world order. It's world order. It's the great reset. This is a m- massive undertaking that involves Ultimately, millions upon millions of people in various functionary roles, and at the very least, thousands and thousands of people in sort of the upper echelons that are puppeteering this, no single person is going to come out and dash it all or reveal the thing that's going to end it all. Um, if for no other reason, then the only ways that we receive information from the outside world any- anymore are through various screens and devices like what we're talking through today. And uh, more and more people are on. Twitter, Insta, uh, TikTok <laughs> and YouTube for their information that's completely controlled. So they can turn someone like an Elon Musk, who a few years ago was the darling of the left. And he was this great guy who was a uh, pioneering all these things and electric cars. And he was a good guy on the good side. And now he's the evilest man who ever existed because of Twitter or something. Uh, again, it can flip on a dime and the vast majority of people will go along with it because they are seeing it on, through the controlled media. so again no matter how real or fake any of these people are in these even billionaires who come along and seem to be oh well he's saying something that, that seems right um, they can their the public's perception of these people can be manipulated on a dime and that has been proven time and time and time and time again. so again stop looking for individual people to, make some sort of gigantic change that's going to change everything. The real revolution happens in the space between our ears. And unless until and until it does, none of this show outside means anything.
1: Lauren says, what about the international forecaster question, Jesse? Was it addressed? I'm not sure what he means. Do you know what he means by international forecaster?
0: I have no idea what the international forecaster question is. I know that I used to write the editorial for uh, the international forecaster, which used to be the newsletter for Bob Chapman before he passed away. Shortly before he passed away, he asked me to start writing the editorial on a regular basis. So I did that, but I don't do that anymore.
1: So do you have, again, we're back to this hope, do you have hope that you know, in the next year, the next five years, do you think that things are going to get much worse before they get much better? Like, what's your forecast you see in the next, you know, one to five years?
0: I think short term, what I am expecting is uh, the, so, the the trend that I p- predicted for 2023, was the trend towards digital ID. I think we're going to see concerted effort in a number of countries towards getting people onto some form of digital ID, because I see this to be the linchpin Of the coming system of control. Um, Whether we're talking about vaccine passports, whether we're talking about central bank digital currencies, whether we're talking about carbon credits or social credits, they will all hinge on some sort of centralized, probably government controlled or administered system of identification. And that's why the 16th point in the ESG, uh, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, about Uh, uh, identity as a human right, and everyone has the right to be able to identify themselves, um, is just such insidious garbage. um, Because what that ultimately means is uh, you have the right, but now you actually have the obligation to have a a centrally administered identification that will Collect whatever information the government wants on you, essentially, in order to meet your uh, verification um, status and privilege for any number of activities. And eventually, I I, I can't imagine any universe in which it is not going to play out like this. Eventually, they're going to start trying to demand thumbprints or iris scans or a digital ID of some sort in order to get on the Internet at all, or at least to get on the controlled ISPs, which is um, a different perhaps a slightly subtle difference, but a a difference nonetheless. So I I think the digital ID push is going to be the linchpin for this system of control. And that's why I think that's where our first line in the sand and first step towards resistance has to to happen. Because if that domino falls, then I think the other ones start to fall almost inevitably.
1: So you think that's probably by far number one of the most number one things that everyone here listening and whoever's going to listen to it on a replay should be focused on is resisting this digital ID, scream at the top of your lungs, do whatever you can, talk to everyone you can to resist this being put into place. And that will help us to not, you know,
0: be further enslaved by their system. It's an important thing to be focused on. Um, Unfortunately, uh, most people will probably do that from the position of, well, why don't we just stick with paper IDs? Which is not that's not a winning proposition to um, to ninety nine percent of people who think, well, you know, obviously we're just going to upgrade to digital. But also because fundamentally it isn't what you're niggling about is the details of how the identification system is 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 done rather than the system itself um and one thing that i point to specifically was that when the social uh, social insurance number the sin number was introduced in the united states uh, whatever they called it in the states was it sin canadian i don't know okay, canada's sin so we're right dis- okay in well, canada american social equivalent speaker, social security yeah, social security started, right when they started issuing the cards with your you know, social security number on it. Um, it specifically said not for identification purposes because people were very, very, very concerned back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, when they first started getting these cards with a government issued number on it. People knew this is dystopia, this is nightmare. The government should not have a number by which they can track us and what we're doing. So don't worry, guys, this will never be used for identification. Of course, now it is actually used uh, for identification because people got used to it and they okay, we'll just go along with this. So that is that is the sort of level that we need to be getting getting to is questioning the fundamental systems that are governing us, including the identification system itself, what the government needs to know and be able to track on us, why and in what situations. These are incredibly important issues. And unless we, again, tackle the deeper root of this, then simply resisting the digitization of things is like the Luddites, you know, hoping that... eh, Right, you know the saboteurs, if you throw your sabot in the in the gears, it will stop the machines, and the industrial revolution won't happen. Well, we know we know how that worked out for those original saboteurs, don't we?
1: Speaking of the industrial revolution, we've got the fourth industrial revolution now. Uh, Wanda's asking thoughts about artificial intelligence, modified human kill switching cars and robots taking over the service industry where they're no longer going to need the human slaves, technology. Does that free people? You know, if technology is taking over all industry and business as maybe they want to show it. Or does this mean that reason why they want to depopulate is because they no longer need the human slaves and because now the technology and that's why they're injecting they're trying to transhumanize who wants to upload their consciousness? Those are the only ones that they really want to keep left here on Earth.
0: Right. Uh, well, I'm running out of time here, so this will have to be the last question. But sure. um, I, I would say that the the thing that concerns me deeply on a deep existential level is the fact that there is obviously, I think obviously, um, again, whatever your religious inclinations are, um, I think there is an evil anti-human agenda at play here. It is truly anti-human. And uh, I think the people obviously who are puppeteering this global system in the fourth industrial revolution are part of that evil anti-human agenda. Maybe even more worryingly, most of the population has bought into it. And there are a surprising number of people, even in my own audience, who have bought Hook, line, and sinker into the propaganda that humans are a cancer on the earth and they must be eliminated, and we're just we're just messing everything up, and nature would be so much better without us and all of this. That they truly, almost in a sense, desire their own end. Well, good news, I guess, because I think that is coming in the foreseeable future, if and when these technologies really start rolling out in earnest. Because the depopulationists, the uh, Malthusians, the anti-human anti-humanists, uh, can. Uh, for, per, perhaps for the first time in history, as, these, as more and more and more and more of the workforce is automated and we start looking at UBI and other sort of stopgap solutions, we'll just pay people for the existing and that'll, that'll do something and everyone will have nothing but free time. Well, no, suddenly the people who literally look at the vast majority of people as useless eaters will actually perhaps have a point. Well, no one's doing anything productive. They're all just sitting there uselessly eating. So time to start the depopulation plans. And boy, oh boy, are there depopulation plans? And have those plans been at work for quite some time? I uh, They have. So um, people can look in my archives, just type depopulation into my search bar and you'll see lots of work I've done on this. And I think the depop agenda gets rolling in earnest as the workforce is increasingly automated, because there will be lots and lots and lots of people with suddenly a lot of free time and not much to do and starting to maybe do things like look into real history and what's really going on and who's really running things. And I think the people in positions of power don't want that. They want a dumbed down, minimal population of servant class to basically um, be at their at, the, at their whim, at their beck and call. And uh, and so, you know, I, I really do. I mean, hey, at any rate, the time we are living through is potentially the most important and the most exciting time in human history. And it may be the end of human history. It might be the end of humanity as we've known it. But at any rate, hey, we're here to live it and we are here to be participants in it. So let's do what we can.
1: Corbettreport.com. What can they find there? Can they connect with you if someone wants you to on their podcast? I know constitutional convention CA wants you to maybe talk with them about some of their, you know, educating on property rights and things like that. If you're open to that, um, you know, please just kind of a little self promotion here.
0: Right. Uh, C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com is the archive for my 16 years now of media, uh, audio, video, text. Uh, it's all available for free. Even my subscriber newsletter, which is for member paying members of the site. I put the subscriber editorial up on my Substack for free every single week. So you don't have to pay me a dime in order to get any of my research or information. If you're new to the site just explore the archives there are thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of material there and a lot of it is not you know news that uh, becomes uh, instantly outdated a, a lot of it is evergreen material that is as relevant now as it ever was maybe even more so so please explore the archives and if you are a regular corporate report viewer or listener and you appreciate what you do and you want to see it continue you can sign up for a membership there on the website the details are there in my members section but uh, on the note of contact, yes, I do have a contact form. Anyone who's interested in contacting me, please do contact me through the contact form. I cannot guarantee I'll get back to everyone. In fact, I can guarantee I won't get back to everyone because I get a lot of emails, including, as I say, the de rigor mandatory, you're a controlled op, shill, blah, blah, blah emails. So all feedback is appreciated. Um, and I will get back to you when, if, and as appropriate.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you're doing. You know, I've looked up to you and your reporting and all the stuff that you're doing, and it's helped me along my journey. So just keep being that, you know, bright, shining star and, you know, opposing whatever this craziness is. And just thank you for spending this time here with us. And I hope you may be able to come back in the future, you know, to answer some more questions here on The Missing Link. All right. Thank you for having me on you're very welcome well thanks everybody for all your likes comments heart shares and stars we appreciate all of you any support that you can you know for the missing link here um, we've got two more missing links tomorrow we've got Ted Mar from Out of This World podcast and then we got George Wiseman who's got his uh, hydrogen water machine uh, this is Jesse Hal with the missing link and we'll see you tomorrow thanks for all your comments and all the energy that buzzes in the feeds and we just you know appreciate and love y'all knowledge is power and the more knowledge we all have collectively the less power they have over us. So just keep doing what you're doing and we'll see all tomorrow back on the missing link. Bye. Every-